Hey you guys, I am here. I am not sloth. That sounded like I really wanted to be part of the Goonies. Anyway, I don't. I mean, I kind of did. But honestly, I am just here to talk to you about Life Boost. And you all know my passion for coffee. I wake up, I drink coffee. I get dressed, I drink coffee. I go to school, I drink more coffee. And lately at school, they have had the Keurig in the teacher's lounge. And I genuinely have tried so many different Keurig little pods. They are all fucking disgusting. They taste watery. They are gross. But Life Boost does not taste like that. And they have little pods that you can put in the Keurig and they are amazing. And you just go boop and then you go boop and then you push the little button boop boop and it's done and that's all you have to do and they are on sale now at lifeboostcoffee.com if you are looking for a very easy way to get your caffeine fixed in the morning and you happen to have a Keurig or do what I do which is like buy them and store them at school in a secret spot where no one can find them so only you can have them and your besties that is a great way you can go there get yourself some Keurig pods um I highly recommend them. I don't know what else to say. Go enjoy your coffee. You can get a discount with our code of unmasked. That's U-N-M-A-S-K-E-D to save yourself 30%. Love you. Bye. Hey guys, it's me. Who all the hell else would it be? Honestly. So I know that you know, if you've listened to this podcast at all, that we swear by the deprivation chambers. They're amazing and A Place to Float offers this incredible zen experience right in the heart of downtown Indy. But if you're still questioning it, let me tell you, I'm going to just list some people who also float. Um, I don't know, have you ever heard of this guy named John Lennon? or Joe Rogan, or Carl Lewis, or Kristen Wiig, or Jeff fucking Bridges, or Tim Ferriss, or Willie Mason, who is a rugby athlete, or The Simpsons. Yeah, yeah. Homer Simpson and Lisa both went floating. So look, don't even take my word for it, as LeVar Burton would say. Okay, floating is amazing. It is basically you floating in a very warm body of water. Can I say body of water? It is a pool of water. I feel like my social studies teacher would be pissed if I called it a body of water. It doesn't matter. Anyway, it's a warm pool of water that is filled with magnesium sulfate to give your body full buoyancy. This alleviates joint tension it alleviates muscle aches it's amazing and I cannot recommend it enough I genuinely haven't gone in the last like month because I've been so freaking busy and I think I'm gonna go ahead and treat myself to a float maybe this week or next um I can't say enough wonderful things about it a place to float is absolutely wonderful and from the moment you walk into the door you already feel peace and calm someone greets you you check in grab yourself a little herbal tea maybe do it after because I don't want you to have to go like pee when you're in the float tank which just happened to me and then I have to get out and I have to dry off and then I have to go pee so don't do that but have some afterwards and go to the quiet room because it's amazing and you'll love it 
All right? All right. So treat yourself to a float. And if you want, you can save yourself some cash by using our code UNMASKED. Or recently we have changed it to just, you know, doing a little name droppy drop and name drop Brandon Zimmerman for your first float on us. All right? Have a great day, loves. Bye. In a world of ordinary, it's time to unmask the extraordinary with Unmasked, the podcast. With your host, Brandon Zimmerman. Welcome to Unmasked, the podcast. I feel like everybody knows me, just about everything about me. Eye candy of the night, 100%. <laughs> and Sarah Zimmerman. I want to be on the back end of RTV and just like, kick, 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 kick. Um, I saw Amanda Nunez, and I'm pretty sure I fell in love with her. I want to just be her. It's time to unmask your true potential. All right. Well, welcome to Unmask the Podcast. We are here with Sloan Climber. Sloan's a black belt at what, what's Keenan's school? Legion, American Jiu-Jitsu. Okay, Legion Jiu-Jitsu. Hell yeah. And uh, so what? So we kind of start out with like a... Um, it's we kind of base everything like a superhero kind of thing. So it's like, what is like your origin story that got you to where you are today? Um, well, you know, I grew up in Anderson, Indiana. Um, my dad was a huge martial arts enthusiast my entire life. And so naturally I kind of, um, I gained interest in it as I was growing up, you know, he actually tried getting me, to wrestle and, uh, and to do judo and jujitsu and stuff when I was little. And, and I wrestled for a couple of years when I was a little kid, when I was like in kindergarten and first grade and even a little bit in second grade. Um, but I think I like quit mid season in second grade, just because I don't know, I just couldn't, um, I couldn't stay interested. And looking back, I feel like it was just, it was too structured. Like I remember being perpetually confused and, re- and wrestling <laughs> is when I was a little kid, I was like, what? Like, I got to take this guy down and score points. I can't go to my, I remember just always being confused about points and about how the whole game worked. And so I remember telling my dad, I don't want to do this anymore. I just like skateboarding and riding my bicycle. So he took me out of it after a while. Um, But then, um, you know, as time went on, I I always loved fighting. Like I thought fighting was awesome. You you know, anytime I would watch a movie, uh, and I would see a fight come on, you know, I, like my eyes were, were glued to the screen and, um, and, you know, I watched UFC with my dad a lot when he was a kid or when I was a kid. And <laughs> so then when I got to be about like 15, um, uh, I started training with my dad and, and his buddies and, and I liked it. I thought it was cool. You know, I didn't know if I was ever going to do it as a career, you know, at least in the first couple of years, I thought it like, I was like, man, this would be cool if I could do this, you know, and, and get paid to do this somehow. But, you know, my dad was always like, there's not really much money in jujitsu and MMA and like, unless you're like the best of the best, you know, but. And um, even then it's questionable. Yeah, <laughs> it is. Yeah. Right. So. But uh, I kept training on and off, like from age 15 to 22. I had a couple MMA fights in Indiana, um, did a a handful of jiu-jitsu tournaments. I wrestled my senior year in high school. I circled back around to it because the guys I was training MMA and jiu-jitsu with, uh, I started officially training MMA at the Iron Horse in Pendleton. Okay, yeah. Uh, 
And so I, I was just training with my dad and all of his buddies in a barn in our backyard at first, you know, like my first couple of years, that was it. But then I started training at the Iron Horse and a lot of my training partners there, like I, I started training there right before I was a senior in high school. And uh, they were like, oh, you should wrestle, you know, that'd be really good experience for fighting and stuff. So, so I, I jumped back into wrestling my senior year. I really liked it. And then it was when I was about 22, again, my training was very sporadic. My first like seven years or so, it was like, I would like take four or five months off. And just because I would like lose interest or I was drinking and partying and hanging out with girls and, you know, stupid stuff like that. And then I was like 21, I think, or something. And I actually got in a bar fight one night, which this was a common occurrence, by the way, like, like getting in bar fights with my friends in Indiana was like an every weekend thing. That was just that's what like, we, that's a lot of people in Indiana. Literally. So. I was yeah. like, right? like, you guys know, you guys know how it is. It's like, that's, that's what everyone does in Indiana. And so, but this one night in particular, I don't know what it was, um, it was just a weird night. You know, I almost, I almost got jumped and it was really messy. One of my friends got like dog piled. I almost got arrested somehow got out of the situation pretty unscathed, but I was laying in bed that night and I was feeling like really depressed. I woke up the next morning and it, it like sent me into a depression. Actually, I was feeling really down about myself. And I was like, what am I doing with my life, man? I was a correctional officer at the time, but you know, I was just kind of being a loser. I felt like just all the drinking and, and being around the wrong crowds and stuff. And I knew that I loved martial arts and I loved jujitsu and MMA. And it just hit me that very next day. I was like, I got to move. I, I got to remove myself from this environment because the people I'm around day to day, like this isn't good for me. And you know, the, it's like the opportunities for what I was wanting to do didn't seem to be very, uh, plentiful there in Indiana, or at least in my hometown. And I was like, I got to get like, I, you know, when I told my mom, I think I want to move like the day, a day or two after this fight I had gotten into, um, she was like, well, maybe you should just move to Indianapolis, you know, and you guys, and you can train there. And I was like, okay, I could do that. And I could probably, you know what I mean? Get some good training in Indy and stuff, but I'm, I want to completely remove myself from everybody that I don't even want the temptation of coming back here and hanging out with all my old friends and getting back in that rhythm, being around the same old ex-girlfriends and you know what I mean? And the same old drama and stuff. So I, uh, I just moved. I decided on San Diego. Like I was thinking about maybe Florida. I was thinking about, you know, California. I even thought about New York and, um, and then one of my friends who was an acquaintance, he was kind of an acquaintance. He wasn't really a friend. He's just a guy that I knew through mutual friends. I had found out that he had moved to San Diego like six weeks before or, you know, so, like not long before I had come up with this idea that I wanted to move also. So I actually gave the guy a call. He's like, yeah, I just moved out here. It's awesome. He said, um, he said, if you come out here, I could get you a job working with a moving company. And he's like, you could even stay on my couch until you get your own place. And that was all I needed to hear. So yeah. I, packed, I packed my, my car. Up. I, I saved money for a few more months and then packed my car up and just drove out to San Diego. And, um, and yeah, I came out here. I started training with, with 10th planet and, um, I started working and then 
I fumbled with jobs for like my first few months. And then I, I fell into a pretty steady job as a bouncer uh, for a few years before I started teaching full time. I love that you were like, I got into this bar fight. So then I went out and became a bouncer. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I know. Right. Isn't that funny? Like, like I was like, it was very ironic when I fell into that job because I was like, man, the roles have switched totally. Like yeah. you know, I moved out of my hometown and now I'm the guy breaking up fights and getting guys out of, out of these kinds of situations and throwing guys out of the, the club. Um, but yeah, so then I, I did that and basically my career just took off from there. I, I just kept competing and training all the time and uh, became a pretty well-known instructor here in San Diego. And, um, Unfortunately, I had a falling out with 10th Planet. That's where I was. That when I when I met you guys, I was a 10th Planet guy. You probably remember. Um, but but yeah, so after that falling out I had at that old gym, it wasn't long after Keenan had just opened Legion and I was a brown belt and he uh he invited me to come train with him. So I went out there and uh you know, he and I got along really well. We had some really hard rounds and he said to me after training, he was like, man, he's like, I'd like for you to stick around here and maybe help teach some classes if, if you'd be down for that. And I was like, man, that'd be awesome. And um, so I started teaching there and uh, yeah, here we are now. I'm, so I'm still there. I, I got my black belt under him uh, a couple of years ago. It's been like two years now that I've, I've had my black belt and um, just competing and, and teaching and, and just uh, trying to keep going upward. Hell yeah. Yep. So you're still, so Legion's in San Diego. You're still in San Diego. Yeah. Yeah. Still in San Diego. Um, yeah. Legion, Legion is in San Diego. You picked a really good place. San Diego is like the, my favorite part of California. Like it's dope. It's I went, uh, my brother lived in Los Angeles for a really long time and I would go there and I'm like, I don't like it here. And then I, <laughs> LA visited, sucks. Oh, LA sucks. And I visited um, San Diego and our very good friend lived on this like mountaintop and it like overlooked everything and it was beautiful. And we went to the zoo. It was awesome. San Diego is beautiful. Good short. I know. I think about that too. Sometimes I'm like, how, like, cause here's the crazy thing. You guys, I had never even come to San Diego um, before I moved here. I never oh even, gosh. I never even been, I didn't know anything what it was like. I was just, I looked some stuff up on the internet. I knew that it was a pretty good spot for jujitsu. I knew there was a lot of jujitsu out here. And when I found out that one of my friends was living out here and he told me that I could come out here, I was like, all right, I'm just going to try it out and see, see how this works. But I, I had come out to California one time, um, about six months before I moved out here. I, I come out here with, with an ex-girlfriend and, um, it was up in Northern California, you know, so I didn't see what San Diego was like at all. That's a totally different, it's like a different state up there. You it, know what I mean? Oh, uh, it's, it's totally, it's, I mean, climate, people, it's just, everything is oh, different. Totally different. Yeah. yeah. So it's like, I didn't even get the real experience, but man, now I think about it, I'm like, gosh, I got so lucky because I love San Diego and, it's awesome. um, it's it grew on me more and more the more I got here because at first I think I don't know maybe I just wasn't used to all the people and stuff and I was like maybe one day I'll I'll leave here but I've been here for seven years now and now I'm like I don't know if I'm ever gonna leave like, I'll probably stay here forever I'm 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 gonna die here yeah so, I think yeah from the Midwest too because I've only, I've been to California a few times 
I've been to like Costa Mesa and then of course LA and Hollywood and stuff like that, you know, and the, yeah. it's a, it's just a different vibe completely from what we're used to out here. Like Indianapolis sure. is our big city and it's wow. like, it's this big compared to like, you know, anything in California. Right. And yeah. people and just the, the culture and everything else. And the fact that the last time we were there was in December and it was 60 degrees. And I was like, what the fuck is this? Like I had shorts on. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, people are like cold. And I'm like, you guys suck. Like, this is warm. Like, this is great. Dude, so right. When right. We came back. It was Christmas Eve and it was snowing when we came back home. So I was like, yeah, yeah. I want to go back. <laughs> <laughs> Dude. Yeah. I, uh, you know, I actually, so my first couple winters out here, I didn't come home to Indiana, but then I, the next like the next four or five winters, I started coming home every year for Christmas and my birthday is like four days after uh, Christmas. So I, I decided I don't want to go back to Indiana anymore in the winter time. I told my parents and family, I was like, Hey, look, I love you guys. But if you want to see me during the holidays or on my birthday, you got to come out here and, and hang out with me. <laughs> yeah, that's a good experience for them to come out and see you, though, too. It they're... is. Yeah. My, my dad came out. My, my parents, they're, they're still together. But, um, you know, they have like my niece and nephew that they still watch over and they have uh, dogs and, and uh, you know, they got pets and stuff. So my dad came out in December and hung out with me for a few days. Then my mom just came out just, uh, she literally just went back home um, a few days ago. So they both got to get out of the Indiana winter um, at yeah. least for a few days each and and came and, and hung out with me. So it was cool. But did they tell you that we have like a 70 degree day out here? My yeah. dad told me my day. So listen, what, my mom, uh, my dad called my mom while she was here last week. And um, he was like, Hey, how you doing? And he was like, uh, He's like, man, it's like 70 degrees out here today. He, he told my mom that. And we were like, it's only 60 here. <laughs> yeah, it's it's kind of, yeah, it's been it's, really weird, like more than normal. Like yeah. it's 30 in the morning or 40. And then we it gets like 65, 70 sometimes. And it's February, which is just wild. It's Yeah. Yeah, it's weird. <laughs> I, don't know. But I don't miss it at yeah. all. Yeah, I bet. Sure. <laughs> so don't blame you. <laughs> so... When you started competing, like, what were you, um, actually, like, I want to back up. You said your dad, your dad trained. Was he into wrestling? Did he just, like, teach himself? It's it's funny. My dad just, uh, you know, since he was a kid, he loved martial arts. I think his dad liked boxing, um, okay. if I remember correctly. Um, and then, so my dad started wrestling when he was a freshman in high school. And I think he wrestled on and off throughout high school. And then he boxed a little bit in high school. He went to the Marines after high school. I think he boxed a little bit out there. He even said he had like a, they, they held like boxing matches on the platoon and he like, he like fought once or twice or something. And then, um, and then he, after he got out of the Marines, uh, he, he did karate for like, for like a year or so and then boxed some more. And then it wasn't, then he got like into bodybuilding for like, for like five or 10 years. Um, but then UFC one came out in okay. 1993. I would have been, I was like one at this time. I was like a year old and my dad and his friends were all watching it. They're like, what the hell is this? This is amazing. You know? And 
it wasn't long after that. Um, I think I don't remember. I might, I would have to ask my dad, but he got and he, he did an MMA fight in Indianapolis. This was when they were doing like unsanctioned, like yeah. warehouse fights, you know what I mean? They're like setting up cages and, and, um, you know, guys would show up and, and fight at these things. And my dad did a fight there and he still was like, unaware of what jujitsu was you know he knew obviously he had a wrestling background boxing background and he got arm barred by this guy that he fought and um he was like damn what was that you know and and it turns out the dude that he fought was like a, i think he was like a purple belt or something in in jujitsu and um wow so my dad got really interested after that and he was like i gotta learn this stuff and he started like buying all the VHS tapes uh, from Hoist Gracie. And he was like <laughs> traveling, going to seminars all the time. And then, oh, you know, he had uh, that barn that was in our backyard and he laid down mats and he started holding like practices back there. And uh, a lot of his stuff, you know, what he learned was self-taught or, you know, he'd go to seminars for, for knowledge or whatever. Um, but he started competing a lot too. When I was like, I don't know. He probably had his first jujitsu competition. When I was like seven years old or something. And, and he competed a lot when I was a little kid. I remember going to a lot of my dad's jujitsu competitions and he would do well. He would like do expert divisions and just beat guys up. Cause he was always <laughs> just like, he was always like stronger and in better shape than everyone. And yeah. even though his, his technique was kind of crude, you know, because he was training in a barn yeah. with a bunch of other like meatheads, you know, but, but, um, he made up for it and just like being really strong and, and, and being super well conditioned. And so, yeah. Yeah. I think uh, you shared a picture of him a while back. Um, it looked like it was that old ego. Uh, yeah, it was. Uh -huh. yeah, yeah. He competed a lot of ego Nagas. Um, he would always drive down to the Arnold classic in Ohio. Oh, okay, cool. He competed those every year. Um yeah, he did. He did a lot of the like local. I think maybe he went up to Chicago a couple times and competed too when I was younger. But, um, but yeah, man, my dad, he was like, he was an avid competitor in jujitsu for a while. And then, and it's funny because he never got belted. He still to this day has never been belted. My dad's wow. still a white. <laughs> That's funny. But like, yeah, obviously yeah. he has sure. a lot more than that now. But, um, but he just never stuck with a school. He, yeah. You know, pop around different places and train in his barn so his fight his mma fight he got one of probably five purple belts in the midwest <laughs> right? yeah, <laughs> he yeah, got lucky on that draw because he's like what the fuck was that teach me how you know like well how yeah. do I do that? like that's because i don't like how i mean i wonder how long ago that was but like you know in the early 2000s you know purple belts was like whoa you know <laughs> mm -hmm. and, and man it's like it's really crazy how how things, how things unfold and how one event leads to the other in life. Because my dad, I remember him telling me that story about, uh, about that MMA fight that he was in and when he got armbarred and he was like, you know, he said, I didn't even really know what jujitsu was until that. He said, I think I, he had heard of it, but he didn't have any interest in it or didn't care about learning it, even though he had already watched like a couple of the UFCs. And I think he had seen Hoist Gracie for whatever reason, he didn't take any interest until he got armbarred. And yeah. so had he never got armbarred, I would have probably never taken any interest in jujitsu. And I would never be where I am right now in my career because it was, uh, it all started with him. He was the only reason that I ever got into it. Yeah. So it was pretty cool. 
getting getting beat up and stuff like that really like for me like i've lost fights and lost things and i'm like it just makes me want to try harder. So I feel like, yeah, him getting yeah. on where he's like, man, what the hell? That's never going to happen again. <laughs> yes. When you, yeah, yeah. When you get, especially like in a fight, right? Like if you get beat in, in one facet or another, it makes you want to learn that, that aspect of the sport more or, or get better at it. You know what I mean? If you're a competitive person. So that's, yeah, that's how my dad was. And that's why he just like, he just like relentlessly started training jujitsu after that fight. Hell yeah. <laughs> yep. yeah so now of- we know your origin story. So mm-hmm. now we get to hear where your caveman super, e- your like alter ego, your caveman name came from. So that's, again, this came from my dad. So <laughs> when I was a little kid, um, I'll tell you guys the whole story. It's really funny. You know, we moved into this house when I was like six years old or five years old or something. And my dad had this like little pole barn built in the backyard just so he could put his weights in and he could go out there and lift weights because my dad loved lifting weights. And and then it wasn't long after that, he decided to lay down mats out there and he started holding practices. Like he would hold like real practices in his barn every Saturday and Sunday at 930 AM. Guys would come out there and, uh, and they would all train. They would, they would box, they would do jujitsu. Um, they would do a lot of strength and conditioning. And I remember being a little kid and going out there and watching him and like 10 of his friends beating each other up and, and training hard and stuff. It was cool. Um, so then when I was like, <clears throat> well, okay, before I, before I skip too far ahead. So when I was like eight, he, I remember he started calling it caveman combat. That's what he started calling his gym. And because all of his buddies were all competing too, they, they fought in MMA. Um, they would do jujitsu competitions. And he was like, well, we're all training here. We should come up with a name for our team. So they decided to call it caveman combat. And when I was a little kid, I loved drawing. Like I would, I would draw pictures all the time. And he was like, he wanted to make shirts for, uh, for his team. And so he was like, Oh, what, what better shirt to make than have my son draw up the logo. So I was like an eight year old boy and he had me draw up a picture of a caveman and he made a bunch of shirts. I have them in the other room right now. I can even go. Um, So, so, uh, that's what he would call his, his, gym is caveman combat they called it that because they were like it's so rugged it's like training in like a cave because there was no air conditioning in the summer and the winter time there was no heat snow would trickle in onto the mats uh and i'm not kidding we would have training sessions where snow was like around the outside of the mats that had drifted in through the top of the pole barn and we'd be training out there we'd be like boxing doing jujitsu, rolling around in it it was crazy man and then uh so yeah, that was the name of our barn. And it was probably like when I was, I don't know, 20 years old. Um, you guys know uh Andrew Thompson, Goob? Yes. So I'm the one who got him into jujitsu. <laughs> um, I introduced him to jujitsu. We were old co-workers. He's still one of my good friends, but uh he started him and a few other guys that I worked with when I was a correctional officer, they started coming over to my house, Zach Copas. You guys know Zach Copas. 
he was another one. They, they would come over and they would train with us in the barn. And they, you know, they knew that we called it caveman combat. They knew that was like the name of our barn. And uh, they started calling me and my dad caveman. Every, every time they would come over, they'd be, oh, there's the two cavemen, you know? <laughs> and then they would always just call me caveman. Like that's the caveman. And it just somehow, like, I didn't even mean for it to. I didn't even want that nickname. It just like stuck. And before I knew it, like all my friends and all my training partners were calling me caveman all the time. And then um, I moved out to San Diego and I would still always, always hashtag like caveman or caveman combat or something in all my, all my stuff. And um, all my teammates out there, they started calling me caveman too. But keep in mind, I was not looking for this nickname. Like I was not <laughs> trying to get called that. I was like, this is just, you know, the name of the barn that we all train in. And then I don't know, by the time I was like 23, 24, it's like everybody called me that. Everyone on the mats was calling me that. And that, and uh, so, yeah, then once I was like 25 years old, I was like, I might as well run with this. And I went ahead and got the got yeah. the, yeah. the caveman tattoo on my yeah. forearm. Dude, and now here we are to this day. And that and that's that's how that worked. So Yeah, but that's super organic. And like, that's just so cool. Like, those are the, like, those nicknames that people like, it stuck and like I feel like yes. the reason it stuck like that's a that's a cool nickname you know for sure that's that's what I like about it because it's like you know I never wanted to give myself a nickname I always thought no. I was kind of corny you that's know what I mean super and, douchey actually is what that it's, is. Corny, right? it's like God, come on you don't gotta give yourself a nickname um so uh yeah I, I remember even when I was like 18 years old one of my friends said what's your nickname, what's your fight nickname going to be or something? I was like, I don't know. I don't know if I'm ever going to have one. And they're like, well, why don't you uh, call yourself the caveman? I was like, no, that's just the name of my, my barn. I'm not going to call myself that it's silly, but then sure, sure enough, it's like later down the line, it just stuck. And I guess it was meant to be. So yeah, it was very organic and I'm, I'm happy about that, that it wasn't forced at all in any way, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I remember. So the first time I met you, you came to Performax and did a seminar with Paige. And, yep. um the caveman necktie i still use that move <laughs> do you really yes it's dude That's awesome i i showed her because she couldn't go and i mm -hmm. showed her and then like like if i ever rolled a turtle she's trying to jam a shin in my neck <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's see that's the downside of it is it's like you show people that move and anytime you go to like turtle or they're in front headlock, they're trying to just jam their shin or knee into your neck. Like, like for the next few months, they're just spamming that move, you know? Yeah. So I've hit uh, people with it, like especially white belts. And they're like, bro, what was that? Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, That's a Sloan climber special, buddy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Like, it's, uh, I actually, this whole week, um, I went over all front headlock and, and, um, and specifically the caveman necktie for for my gym and so i taught that move a lot this week um but yeah i still i still use it to this day man i i still tap guys with it good guys you know what i mean i'm not just tapping white belt so i know it's still a legit move you know yeah. what i mean so because it's like you know you can like get good at something you know tapping blue belts or you know with it or whatever but then it's like if it's not working on legit guys you got to crash it eventually but that's not one of those moves at least to me it's not i i uh i have found it to um it, it aged well in my grappling career yeah i i just curious like what what brought that about were you just playing around one day or so that i have a good story about that too um 
<laughs> so uh, one of my dad's training partners, he was one of the guys who come over to the barn and train with us on the weekends. He still trains with my dad to this day, actually. They still have, his name's Travis Booker. And uh, him and my dad still get together and lift weights like three, four days a week. But he came over one day and I was probably, I don't know, I was like 16 years old at the time or something like that. And he was like, hey, I, I want to show you guys this move that I saw um, online. Or I, He said he saw something. He, I don't know, maybe he saw it on the Ultimate Fighter or something, but he called it the Kentucky Necktie. Now, I'll never forget this. And he doesn't remember this now. Like, I've even brought this up to him. I'm like, dude, you were like the origin of this. And he's like, he does not remember even like talking about this or anything. But he basically showed me this move where you kind of like guillotine somebody, but then like you put your like shin or knee on the back of their neck. And like when when we tried it, it like seemed really painful and it seemed like it, it could work. But just the way that it was set up, it seemed weird. And even as a 16 year old who I didn't have a lot of knowledge yet in jujitsu or grappling yet, but um, I liked the idea of using the shin. I thought that was what I got from it. It's like the, the move that he showed me maybe couldn't work so well, but I was like, well, I like putting my shin in someone's neck. I think that's a cool thing. So maybe I just should play with that sometimes. And um, I would train with a lot of like, wrestlers and stuff and i would just find myself in front headlock a lot from the time i i from when i first started training jujitsu you know and so i started just like jamming my my knee and my shin into people's necks <laughs> like like all the time like every time i would get there i would just try to put my shin in, in someone's neck and then i kind of developed this system and i started tapping my friends with it and my training partners and um I, again, it was one of those things I didn't think anything of it because it's like I was tapping people with it, but it wasn't like any like super high level guys, you know. And so I moved to San Diego years later and I kept doing it. I kept doing the submission. And then um, when it really hit me that it worked and that it like it was a legit move, I was a purple belt. I entered a Naga uh, out there in San Diego my first match was against some uh, Hegan Machado black belt. This guy was pretty legit. Me and this guy got in like a wild scramble right in the beginning of the match. I don't remember how it went, but I ended in front headlock. I slapped in the caveman necktie and I tapped him. And I was like, okay, this guy's like a legit black belt. And I just tapped him. So I got to start teaching this shit to people because it works. You know what I mean? And then about a year after that, I caught another black belt in competition with it. And so it was just like kind of further, um, reassured me that it was a legit move and and you know that i should i should show it to people and i should you know spread spread it out there and uh yeah and so i i came up with caveman necktie because i just couldn't think of a better name i was like well i guess i'll just name it after me perfect, <laughs> perfect. name perfect. yeah you're, you're the only person i've seen do it so i think i think you've got the rights to it like <laughs> for sure yeah, yeah i think so too yeah i don't i mean i don't know anybody else who's i've seen like other weird versions of like people shoving their shins into the neck for chokes, but I've never seen anybody do the, the caveman necktie the way that the way that I do it or set it up. So yeah, I think, I think it's mine. I got to copyright it. 
Yeah, yeah. you should. Yeah. <laughs> Is you've got a whole, uh, you have a series out, correct? Yeah, I have an instructional on it. I, I, um, I filmed that like over two years ago, actually. Uh, Keenan, he owns uh, Jiu-Jitsu X, or he's like, I think he's a full owner or part owner, but we do a lot of our filming in the, in one of the back offices at Legion at our gym. And, um, and I actually tapped Keenan with that caveman necktie one day when we were rolling and he was like, dude, what the hell is that? You know? And he knew I had a pretty good front headlock game. And he was like, bro, we got to get you to film uh, like an instructional course on this. So not long after that, we, we set it up and I filmed it. So you have okay. I'm I'm like shifting gears. So get ready for whiplash because I'm obsessed with this. Um, you have chickens out there. So I have, I have a really uh, sad story. No, actually. okay, uh, no, no, no. I, I want to tell it though. I okay. I should tell it. Um, so I had two chickens as pets, and um, one of the chickens, her name was Baby, the white one. I like fell in love with that one. The other one, Panda, she was cool and everything, but we never like, I never bonded with her as much, but baby was like, it makes you kind of change your mind about, about chickens because baby was a perfect example of she like, she had a mind of her own. She was not like a dumb little chicken that you would think, you know what I mean? That just like, that just like pecks at stuff and walks around aimlessly. Like, like she was smart. She had, she had a personality and um, I fell in love with her. We were best friends. And um, she was a master at escaping her coop. She was so smart. She would find a way out of her coop every day, like every day I would. And, and so I would put her back in her coop. I would find out how she got out and I would patch up whatever I could, or, you know what I mean? To, to make it so that she couldn't get out in that way anymore. And then a day or two later, she'd get out. She'd find another way out of her, her coop. She did it all the time. I don't know. I don't know how she did it. It was like, um, she was really smart. I know how she did it because if you watch Jurassic Park, the Velociraptors, they tested their cages. They you're know right. what's up. Yeah. yeah, they do. They know what's up, I guess. I didn't know that, but yeah, you're right. I should have watched Jurassic Park. should have watched Jurassic Park. <laughs> <laughs> But um, they were awesome chickens, though. But baby, she got out of her cage one day. And um, we have a neighbor with a dog next door. And she jumped the fence and he got her and killed her. And uh, I was such a wreck, you guys. Like, I didn't yeah. know I'd be that attached to a chicken. I was freaking, I'm not going to lie to you guys. I was crying for like two yeah. weeks. I was like, I was like depressed. I was so sad about it. I'm actually getting a, a, a tattoo of her here in a couple weeks on my arm. I love that. I love that. I have one of my friends who's a, who's a tattoo artist. He's drawing it up right now. Oh, that's um, really So yeah, that was a bummer. And then, you know, after, after she died, um, uh, Panda, our other chicken, she was lonely, you know, and that made me really sad to walk in the backyard and see her by herself. And I had friends who had a bunch of chickens in their backyard. They had a coop of like 10 chickens or something. And I asked them, I said, would you want my chicken? And so they, they adopted her and, um, and yeah, so they, they still have uh Panda to this day. I, I believe she's still alive and well, but, um, but yeah, it was just like, I didn't, yeah, I didn't want her to be alone anymore. And I was like, you know what, you know, Paige was like, maybe we should just get more chickens. I was like, no, my time's up with them. Like baby, 
you know, I, I had such a bond with her. I don't even want to bond with another chicken. I don't, mm. I don't want that heartbreak again. I don't want any chance of that. So I'm like, I'm good on chickens for a while, but yeah, that's, that's the chicken story. No, yeah. that was very sweet. And I'm really yeah. glad you're getting a tattoo of her. Yeah. That's super yeah. cool. It's going to be cool. Yeah. It'll be, uh, I just, she had an impact on me, you know what I mean? Yeah. So it's like, I should, I don't want to, I don't want to forget her. You know what I mean? And memories fade as you get older. So I want to have, have uh, something, some kind of tribute for her. Hell yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. I, I love that idea. Yeah. yeah. Dogs are literally the, one of the reasons why we cannot get chickens because our dogs would, yeah. it would be not a good choice. Yeah. Yeah. Two yeah. or three would, would definitely be in the, in the fence, in the pens. So, Aww. but yay. Okay. You, well, you know, it's weird before we move on. I actually have a dog too. And uh, she like liked my chickens. Like oh. they, they got along great. And I didn't think that I was like, cause my dog, uh, I've seen her kill a possum before. So I knew that she had, um, she has like a mean streak, like, you know, she's not <laughs> like, she'll kill things. So I was like, I don't know, man, like she might murder these chickens if they get out and they would hang around each other all the time. They didn't bother her. Oh, wow. it was, yeah. It was really weird. They had a cool relationship. So yeah. What kind of dog do you have? She is. So she was a rescue, but, um, but she's a McNabb shepherd. I'm not sure. I believe that's what she is. We haven't confirmed that, but she basically looks like a short haired border collie. Okay, um, and they and that's like like the McNabb shepherds are like basically a um, kind of like an off breed of border collies. They look very similar if you see okay. them, but yeah, really cute dog. Yay! What's yeah. her name? I need to know her Jayden. name. Jaden is her name. Oh, Jaden, that's cute. Yeah, I call her Jaders or whatever. Her mom named her Paige. Paige named her. Um, Paige had her actually. They. Paige got her shortly before we got together. And then, okay. um, you know, so our first, like, Paige and I have been together for six-ish six years now, almost six years. Um, our first couple years together, Jaden was really, like, her dog, you know? and But then she grew on me, and now she's probably more my dog than she is Paige's, you know what I mean? Uh, or, she's my best friend. <laughs> That is how our dogs are. And I have Penny and she was my dog. And now she's basically B's dog. Yeah. Like they're yeah. to my pillow when I'm not home. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's how Jaden is. Yeah, yeah. She loves me. It's funny. <laughs> That's hilarious. Mm -hmm. So, okay. So training in the West versus the Midwest, what do you like? What is the difference? Like, are there differences? As uh... as goes, or is it? You know, well, I mean, in the Midwest, at least for me and my everyone's experience is different. I guess it varies, you know, school to school, but like you get a lot of like uh like rougher um guys, I feel in the middle, not in a bad way, like like uh more MMA style and wrestlers. Okay, you know, what I mean? like I like that was what I got a lot when I was training in the Midwest. It was like I was training with a lot of wrestlers and a lot of guys who fought MMA. Yeah. Um, and then it's like, I mean, you guys know, I, I'm sure it's changed a bit since I've left, but a lot of the people in the Midwest who trained jujitsu, they also trained MMA. Like they, they would do both, you know, that was, that's, I feel like that was more common there than it is here. Whereas like 
jujitsu is a way bigger culture here where it's just jujitsu. You know what I'm saying? Like, like it's way more common to, you know, to meet like guard pullers and people who have never thrown a punch in their life out here on the mats than, um, than in the Midwest. I don't know. I don't know if you guys could agree with me on that or, uh- Maybe, um, maybe earlier on, I feel like, because, you know, yeah. like now it seems like we know a lot of guys who just love the gi. Really? Okay. Yeah. So there's a lot more of that. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like, it, at least my experience, I don't, because I, you know, we're, I'm one of like two people that does MMA at like, mm-hmm. at both the gyms we train at. So like, for yeah. the most part, everybody does like either gi jiu-jitsu and you get a few nogi guys too. Um Leg locking is becoming a big thing because you know, bored, you know, he kind of he does leg locks twice a week that he teaches, and it's kind of like sure. expanding. And, and plus, two, it's becoming more apparent that people need to know them, so yeah, definitely right here, too. But yeah, a lot of the gi, I feel like, is a big, a big thing out here, maybe because. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's actually a good point. Um it, again, this could be because of where I was training too. Like I I was always training at um either in my barn, which we were doing all like MMA style stuff. Yeah. Um and I had a bunch of wrestlers coming over and training with me. Uh or I was going to American Top Team uh in downtown Indy or I was going to Iron Horse, uh you know, which was like MMA style. Um so that was like a lot of my training in Indiana was like MMA style grappling. And, and then out here was where I really like focused in on just jujitsu. I will say, I feel like, you know, the, the levels are a little different too, depending on where you go. Like, again, that's something that varies school to school too. I can't say that that's like a Midwest versus, uh, you know, a West coast thing, but like, you know, like my school, I got purple belts that, and I'm not trying to like gloat or brag about my gym or saying that it's the best or anything like, don't take this the wrong way. But uh, like, I, we got a lot of purple belts that I feel like in other areas of the U.S. would definitely be considered like a high level black belt. You know what I mean? Oh, they could yeah. beat up, they could go into other gyms and probably beat up like most black belts, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, but again, yeah. it's just because of what they're exposed to. They're training with guys like uh Keenan or myself or you know they're training with like they they get to see a really high level all the time so they just know like the demands you know whereas like if you're not training with you know high level people if you're just like training with like the same small group all the time and you're not getting out and testing the waters that, you know with different people or you know then the um the standard is like a little bit lower you know what i, I mean, mean- Cross training definitely changed my life. Yeah, like just sure. different stuff. But I feel like, yeah, like you know, like board. Uh, when we have thirty people in there, you know, it, it's pretty consistent. It's about thirty-ish people. You know, that's a pretty good sized class. But yeah, two or three or black belts, and you get maybe one or two brown belts, one or two purple, mm-hmm. and then the rest is pretty much white belts. So sure. it, it makes sense that like. You know, you get three, one, you know, like when he's had five or six black belts in a room, we're like, well, that's a big room for, for Indiana, you know? Oh, not, sure it is. Dude, in room. Indiana. Yeah. So Wait, you go to a big school in the West Coast that's got 20 black belts on a daily basis showing up to one class. It's like, oh, okay. You know, it makes more sense that like, okay, maybe the levels are different because there's just more 
it's more plentiful out that way. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Dude, even, man, in Indiana, like when I first started training and kind of competing in jiu-jitsu and stuff, like black belts were like mythical creatures. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? It was like, I remember, I'm I, no kidding. I remember going to like, I think my second, my second or third Probably like my third jujitsu tournament. Um, it was an ego. And I remember like, even then, like you would never see like brown or black belts competing. You know, you, the, you might see some purple belts and that was it. I remember seeing this brown belt and I was kind of standing next to him and he was wearing his gi. He had a mohawk and he had cauliflower ear. And I was looking at this guy, like he was a God or something. I was like, <laughs> Oh my gosh. Like this dude looks like he could just, he could just kill anybody. He could kill everybody in this room if he wanted to. Like, I don't know who the guy was. Um, like, you know, still to this day, I don't remember who that was that I was looking at, but I just remember there was some Brown belt that had a Mohawk and had like pretty bad cauliflower ear. And he just looked like such a badass. And he was like, he looked way more badass than anybody at the ego. Like he just looked like a scary dude. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and it's just like, it's just funny because now, you know, you see those all the time. You see, you know, any tournament you go to, you see like, you probably see at least 20 of those guys, you know? So it's yeah. so interesting how like, I mean, years ago, I would go to like a different, you know, competition and I'd be like, oh, who's that? Who's that? And now it's like, I know all, all of them. Like now yeah. I know all of these people. And Do you have anybody who you like definitely stood on the map before and like that guy that you were like, oh, my gosh, look at so and so. And now you're like good friends with or. Oh, so many, so many, <laughs> even, even like, uh, James Klingerman, like oh, when yeah. I, first, when I first met James, like I was this 15 year old white belt and he was this seasoned black belt, you know, who, you know, he was already running tournaments at this time. He had his own school and, uh, my dad, you know, spoke pretty highly of him. My dad was like, yeah, it's James Klingerman. He's a, he's a really good black belt. And I was like, oh my gosh, like, it's like, it was almost, it was like nerve wracking every time I was around him. Like, I didn't want to say something stupid. I was like kind of shy around him, you know? And cause I, I like, I'd been around James quite a few times when I was younger, you know, going to the ego tournaments. I went to like a couple seminars at his gym. I went and trained there a couple times. And, um, and, uh, now I'm like, I'm just like friends with James. Like I've, yeah. I've rolled with him a bunch now and you know what I mean? It's like, it's just funny how that works. It um, is. It's like, I came into this, not, like fangirling over anyone and just being like who the fuck is that who the hell is yeah. that you know and now yeah. anytime someone is like james Klingerman, i don't think of him as james Klingerman. i'm like moose yeah <laughs> like, yeah uh-huh yeah. yep yep so i know it's hard that, yeah it's funny though you say that about the brown belt because i'm like i i've got my brown belt about a month ago and i'm mm -hmm. like I'm not that tough guy. I'm no. like, I'm a marshmallow, you know? <laughs> you know what I mean? No, like, people can still look at you though. Like if you're like walking around a store or something, people look at your ears and be like, I probably shouldn't fuck with that guy. <laughs> like, <laughs> like he may not be like a huge guy, but he'll probably kick my ass. You know what I mean? You still have that. It's like look. really unfair because I feel like I've gotten hit in the ear more times than I should. And my ears don't look nearly as gnarly as any else. Yeah. But it's fine. It's weird. I don't know. I don't think girls get cauliflower. Ears I don't, I don't know if guys. they do either. Yeah. I don't know if it's a dude thing or not. Cause I'm, I literally have been like any day I'm going to get my cool ear. No, I get Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I remember it uh, has a little bit on both ears, but uh, yeah. she's so cool. That's so cool. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, I, I remember just, they highlighted one time when Ronda Rousey got a little bit, and they were like, look at her cauliflower, and it was like a little ridge up at the top of the ear, and I'm like, that? <laughs> yeah, you barely even see that thing, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean, I guess. It's there, right? Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> it was funny. Never going to get implants. I'm going to get implants. Mm-hmm. Like- <laughs> yeah, you got to. that's how what you got to do. You just got to surgically get them input. Yeah. There's people that, like, try to get them. I saw this video on YouTube. Of or- course. Mm-hmm. or facebook or something a, a few has, years ago it, this was so silly you guys this so this um this instructor i think this was like in brazil held his his student wanted cauliflower ear so mm-hmm. he's like all right i'll get like i'll give you cauliflower ear if you want it and he held his student down and was just like grinding his ear up and down uh-huh. with his forearm. And I was like, this is so stupid. Why are you doing that? Like, just uh-huh. <laughs> like, why are you guys trying to get it? Right. So it was, it was uh, yeah, it was hard to watch. Yeah. And, I don't know if the, and who knows if the kid even got it, you know what I mean? Yeah. It may not have ever even blown up. I, uh, so. yeah, you gotta, kind of, I feel like that's something that like, if you're going to get it, you got to kind of earn it. Right. And like, I know yeah. my right ear. I can tell you the exact moment it happened because I felt it happen. <laughs> we really? were in fighting with Aaron Johnson at wrestling uh-huh. class, and he just like clubbed me, and I was like, "Ugh!" And then the next day, my ear was super sore, and I was like, "I think that's gonna puff up." <laughs> yeah, if it did, you know, like I can tell yeah. you the exact moment, the exact person who did it. <laughs> you know what's weird is you know I've had, I mean. I don't have terrible cauliflower ear, but I got it all over both ears a little bit. And um, I never recalled any moment when it happened. It's just the next day I would wake up, my ear would be swollen. Like, and I'd be like, where did that even come from? You know, it's just like, I don't know, just training super hard. Sometimes you don't even notice it. Yeah, that yeah. one I did. My other my other side, I didn't notice. I just woke up one day and I was like, oh, that got a little worse. Okay. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's common, right? Yeah. yeah. So are you going to do any MMA? I saw you uh, punching bags and like. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I definitely want to fight. Yeah, I definitely want to. You know, it's just. I started out training because I liked fighting. It wasn't jujitsu. It was just it was all just fighting to me. That's all it was. It was like whether it was on the ground or whether we were boxing or whatever, it was all just a part of the big picture. You know what I mean? The whole, the whole thing. I liked it all from the beginning. And I still do. I still love boxing and kickboxing and jujitsu. And, um, you know, and I, I fought a couple times in Indiana, but I moved out here when I moved out here, I remember thinking like, I want to fight MMA definitely. But then the gym that I was with, 10th Planet, their MMA program was just, I mean, I hate to say it, but it was just garbage. Just like, it was just very poor coaching, like like no structure at all. But the jiu-jitsu, on the other hand, wasn't bad. You know, it was ran by Boogeyman and he had a, like a big crew of guys that were going in there and training super hard. And uh, they were all competing all the time. And I was like, okay, well, I was, I was doing both when I first started training there. I was training... Um, MMA and I was training the jiu-jitsu and I just was like I really liked the jiu-jitsu and honestly Boogie was even kind of like hey bro like you should just train jiu-jitsu you know what I mean he was like don't don't go do MMA with those guys you're kind of wasting your time and then I was like all right well that's what I'll do then I'll just start training with you and then so he was just pushing me to compete all the time and and before I knew it I was teaching jiu-jitsu and now uh 
again, like it's like without even trying, it just kind of became my career and I'm getting paid full time to teach jujitsu, but that wasn't the goal. Initially, the goal was always to fight. Um, and so I'm like, man, it would be a real heartbreak if I just went the next 10 years of my competitive career and never fought again. Like I have to, I have to at least fight a few more times, you know? So I'm 30 years old. I still got time, you know, and I, I, I already have plenty of experience with boxing and jujitsu and everything. So it's not like I'm starting from scratch. Um, so hopefully I've had a lot of injuries, uh, earlier this year that that's why I haven't competed in a while. Um, just a lot of little nagging injuries I've been trying to let heal up, but I'm hoping to maybe fight by like the end of this year, get like at least one pro MMA fight. Um, yeah. yeah. I saw a page made the, 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 the cold plunge or whatever out of an old freezer or something. Yeah. How's how's that? Cause I hear that's like, that's like the new thing. And like, so cold here. I never want to do that. (laughs) Bro, You want to hear this? That thing's in our backyard. Okay. And I've never once used it. <laughs> not used it one time. I'm like, you, that's for you. You could use it. I'm not using that shit. You're not going to talk me into it. Yeah. I actually have done. Um, I, so, you know, you make those things out of like a, like a deep freezer. Yeah. That's all it is. And um, my friend, uh, Miha, he's one of the owners of Legion. Uh, he has one too. And probably about six months before Paige bought hers, he invited us over and I did his and it was miserable. Yeah. And, and truthfully, like I'm not hating on them or, or hating on the cold plunge. Like if people say it helps them, that's great. I'm not knocking yeah. it, but like, I don't feel like it. Like I remember I was pretty banged up that day when I went over there and like, I don't feel like it helped my recovery. And on top of that, it's like, it spiked my adrenal glands like crazy and then when i got out i was super sleepy because i have like an adrenaline dump so for the rest of the day i was like i need a nap or a cup of coffee or something and i was like why do people do this shit i'm not doing that like Paige, you can do that i'm not doing it (laughs) yeah no i don't like it because what it does for me is it just gives me extra pain but it's like in my head so i just get like an instant headache from the cold and i'm just like i'm good yeah just i don't know i don't know some people like really like it but it's not my thing i I like saunas i think saunas are awesome um i'll do a sauna anytime i get a chance you know uh but but yeah cold plunge nah i'm good (laughs) yeah i'm I'm with you on sauna sauna uh float tank good with that too but yeah cold yeah never i've tried ice baths and like i even did the cryotherapy one time you know and that was like two minutes they spray you down with like whatever they're it's some kind of chemical freeze that they do for you or whatever. And then like yeah. being really cold and feeling good when I was cold, but as soon as I warmed up, all the pain came right back. And I was just like, that wasn't worth my $30 coupon. <laughs> right. Right. And that's how I feel, man. It's like, uh, no, I don't need this. It's like, and, and I actually, I don't know how true this is, but I was listening to a podcast or something not too long ago and I can't remember who it was. It might've even been like Andrew Huberman. I can't remember, but someone said that like, okay, yeah, ice bats have some benefit, but they're like, you don't even need it to be like ice cold. They're like, if it's like, if it's like water, that's below like 60 degrees, 
it does the same thing as it would when you're in 30 degree water. You're just making yourself way more miserable in, in the 30 degrees. I don't know. So I like that idea. <laughs> yeah. Hey, you know what? Like you said, if it works for some people, I love that for you. I personally am going to stick to the warmth because I was a lizard in my past life. So here we are. There you go. I'll die. (laughs) Here I am in the Midwest, though. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Currently frozen, wearing a wearing a hoodie in my house. Yeah. (laughs) Right. Yeah. That's funny. Dude, this has been so much fun. Okay, before we go, though. My question is, what do you think your superpower is? My strength, my physical strength. Okay. It's not your mustache? No, it's not my mustache. The mustache just adds to the physical strength. It's it's like a tennis attribute. Yes, exactly. (laughs) But definitely my strength. Like I remember when I was a little kid, just always getting told how strong I was. Like that's, that's just been a constant in my life. Like my, you know, I, I was never like real athletic. I was never, I was never real good at sports or anything like that or real fast or agile or anything. Um, but I always, I just remember even when I was like four years old, just being told how strong I was. And still to this day, it's like, everyone's just like, holy shit, you're so strong, you know? And so, yeah, I think that's my superpower. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. I believe it too. Caveman, super strong. Yep. Great human. <laughs> yep. Yeah. It all goes together. So, oh, yeah. Hell yeah. yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Yeah. Yeah. It's been awesome talking to you guys. Bit. Yeah. Hell yeah. Um, We'll uh, we'll have to do this again sometime, and I'll definitely let you guys know when I'm when I'm back in Indiana. We can get yeah. together and train. I mean, we are also not opposed to like coming out to sunny San Diego and training. We should just not being here. Yes. So yeah, that's a good idea too. Always <laughs> uh, coming out there, definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Please let me know when you do. 